continue with the message I started last week, Sunday, which to me is really important, primarily because of the things that are happening in our country and uh, what the enemy is really doing. We as believers need to recognize first that God is no respecter of persons. We really need to understand that. Secondly, that we are living in the last days. And Jesus spoke a lot about the last days. And the things that will be happening in the last days. And if you really read carefully through the scriptures, some of it is pretty frightening. And he'll really, if you focus on those scriptures, he'll straighten the way you live. I mean, sometimes people go from one extreme to the other because it seems to be calling for strong devotion towards God. Sometimes it seems in exclusion of every other thing, you stay God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things. He says, your father knows that you need these things. Don't focus on all of those things. What I want you to focus on is the kingdom of God. Let that be primary in your life. Let that be number one. If you're going to live in this earth, and you only have one chance of living in this earth, and passing through this earth, you got one chance. After this, the judgment comes. To judge you for what you have done while you were on the earth. It's serious business. It's really serious. But you see, what's happening is we are caught up in everything that's happening around us. And and the news and everything that's going on, those around us, those who don't care about God, those who seem to care about God, we're caught up with everything that's going on in our lives, in our families' lives and everything. We're so caught up, we forget Jesus. And his words and the things he's spoken to us and the warnings he gave to us concerning the last days. And so all we're doing is like we go to church and we're serving God. We worship God. Say Sunday, oh, I got to go to church. No, no, no. It's more than that. God, Jesus is calling for your life. He's asking you to give up your life. He's not a religion. He's not about a church. It's about your life. It's not our church, it's your life. Your life and God. Because there's going to be a great judgment coming. And I'm not a judgment preacher. I like to preach the things that are real nice things about the earth. But hey, we really need to watch. you got a short time here. And once you leave this world, your life is set. You can't change anything anymore. You face the judgment and whatever God gives to you is what you deal with. So we really need to understand these things. I mean, God died. That should wake me up. God actually went to the cross and died. That was God himself. That was, think about it, God that created all things. He went to the cross to die to protect us and prevent us from going to a place that he knows he created that is not a place for a human being. Why should I on my own decide and make decisions that will move me away from that place when you have so much opportunity? 
and privilege. So this is the time to really wake up. A lot of things are happening. And I hear a lot of things as a pastor. I never used to really worry about anything. I've been more as a member than I've been a pastor. So my life has been lived as a member of a church. So I never worried about what, what people were doing and what they were saying. It was just my life. But as a pastor, you hear all kinds of things. In my life, I have never really concerned myself about once saved, always saved. It didn't matter to me. I love God. I didn't care about being unsaved. Also. It didn't matter. I needed Jesus in my life and I wanted to please Him. That was it. I had no, no thinking, okay, maybe I can do this thing and still be okay. Those, those were not my thoughts. I just wanted to please Him. And when, we're not perfect. And when I'm doing things that I know are not pleasing to Him, it's not because I feel like He's going to judge me. I feel terrible. I feel that I'm not doing what he created me to do. Something is not right. Did I allow the enemy into my life? That's not pleasing. How can I have God's enemy inside my life controlling what I'm doing? I don't want that. And if, if it's not the enemy and it's me, I need to get straight. Something needs to happen. I can't continue to live like this. I can't continue to act this way. I need my life changed. I need to please him. Not because he's going to punish me. I love him. And I don't want to displease him. I don't want him unhappy with me. No concerns about one saved, always saved. I don't care about that. That's just human saying. But I want to please him. I just want to please the Lord. I want him to be happy with me when I see him on that day. I don't want to be shrinking away from him. I saw him once in my dream. He was pointing at me with his hand like this. He was saying nothing. And I couldn't move. I felt electricity going through my body. I thought, oh God. And you, you can never be in his presence and feel okay. I felt so, so dirty. And I woke up that morning and I had a good time of prayer. Boy, I was praying that morning real hard. If there's anything in my life to deliver me. I, I've never been on Facebook before. <laughs> to me, Facebook is Facebook. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm getting real technical. <laughs> but it was Omar that was on Facebook. Some kid in our church here, one kid, some guy in our church, he's really caused some problem for a lady. And just putting scriptures and telling her, hey, this stuff about once saved, always saved, instead of putting out scriptures, and boy, she, she was really rattled by it. She said, her whole life was gone. I mean, she kept there. I, I got interested in Facebook. This is funny here. You know. As they went back and forth, writing back and forth scriptures. And, uh, and then my son decided he wanted to get in it also. And was quoting scriptures as well. I said, boy, what is this? You guys can have it. And I find out later, I said, oh my, have they said something more? Can I see your Facebook? See what they're saying? That's not funny. <laughs> but one thing, regardless of what you believe, please don't ever set aside the words of Jesus. Don't ever do that. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself. When Jesus says something, if you set it aside... You dishonor him, 
and you dishonored God. He and his word are the same. So when he says something, and you truly consider what he said, and you're thinking on it, guess whose attention you've gotten? God. He's watching what you're doing. Every time. He knows the number of hairs you have on your head, and I'm not having a whole lot these days. That's not funny either. But he cares so much about what's happening in your life. Especially when it relates to his word. Listen to these words. In, in uh, Luke 13. Do you have that please? I know I didn't give that to you. But Luke chapter 13. Verse 45. Or verse 24. Verse 24, Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Those are really frightening words for me. That means, and you know, when Jesus says, I say to you, that says to yours, this is God backing what he's saying. Basically, he's saying, you've heard all kinds of things, but I'm telling you now, this is the truth. That's what he's saying. I'm telling you the truth. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Strive. You you just sit down. When you are striving, it means something is coming against you, trying to prevent you from going through something. So he says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. That gate is narrow. He says, many are trying to get in. They're not just out there. Unbelievers are not trying to get in. They're not. They don't care about God. They tell you God doesn't exist. And you Christians are narrow-minded. They are not striving to get in. But Jesus is warning us. He says, you strive to get in because many and his words will be fulfilled. Now, when Jesus speaks a word, that's the word of prophecy. Those words will be fulfilled. I always like to go to the words of Jesus. And when they are negative like this, I say, God, please, everything that I commit to you, the Bible says you are able to keep until that day. So please, I don't want to be among the many. That will strive to enter and will not be able. If that doesn't happen, it seems like Jesus told us something that's not true. These words will be fulfilled. And I don't want you to be part of it. And I don't want to be part of it. That's why we're talking about this this morning. And I'm not angry about anything. I said this last Sunday when we started this. It's, it's not anger. I'm just, I just know that we are in the last days. And the greatest trouble we have is deception. And once we are deceived, you will never know. Deception, that's you are in de- when you are deceived, you don't know you're deceived. You think everybody else is wrong. That's why they call us narrow-minded and they really believe it. They know we are narrow-minded as far as they're concerned. They're deceived. I used to think Christians were narrow-minded until I joined the narrow-minded group. Mm-hmm. But that's, this, this, this is real life. 
this is not about church, please. You know, this is not just about church. It's about your life. And you only have one, just this one time. Maybe 70, 80 years and that's it. And then you have to meet with a God that you have never seen. You don't know what he's going to do. And you're going to take a chance getting at his presence. I don't want to do that. I want to be sure that he, he at least I've tried my best and he's going to be pleased. But Jesus himself said, not everyone that call, says to me, that means they are calling him, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. But those who do the will of my father in heaven. He says, many, I tell you, in those days they will try. They will say to me on that day, haven't we cast out demons in your name? And prophesied in your names? And done many great works in your name? And he says, I will profess to them. Or in other words, I will declare to them. He's not saying, I don't know you. I mean, that will not be true. He knows every man. He's not saying, I don't know you. He said, I will declare to them, I don't know you. But if you think about the Acts of the Apostles... And you think about the seven sons of Sceva. They tried to cast out a devil from a demon from a man. And the devil said to the, to, to the guy, Hey, the, the guy said, Come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the devil said, Okay, fine. Now, we know Paul. That's the child of God. And we know Jesus. He is the son of God. But who are you? And they jumped on him and they really whacked him good. So, the Bible is saying, if you don't know Jesus, it's very difficult for you to be able to cast out the devil. They know you don't know him. They know you are empty. But here, according to the words of Jesus, there are people that will stand to him, before him and declare, and they're not lying to him, they're telling him the truth. He won't tell him a lie in his presence, to his face. They, they are done these things. And just because they were careless, for some reason, only God knows. I don't know how God's going to judge this whole thing. I don't know. But I follow what the scripture says. They were turned away. So we really need to be careful. There are disturbing signs. Disturbing signs. You know, Pastor West just handed this over to me. This is what's going on. To see what's happening to the church today. Especially the church, uh, if you would permit me, in the western world. Because I've been in France and I've been in England. It's frightening. They brought the gospel to us. And you sit with them and you... A pastor out of Florida, when we were in, in, in Great Britain, they would be saying something. He would turn and look at me like, did you hear that? Good luck. And I'm shocked as well. What they're saying. And these are believers. These are people in church. It's frightening. This guy came and Pastor Andy, you saw that. He came to me, came to us in the morning prayer that God told him to go and view pornography so that he can write a book. And he was serious. And we were going to lay hands and pray for him. He says, this last part of pornography that I'm going to, the, the book that I'm going to write, I have to watch very graphic Pornography. You heard that, right, Pastor Andy? He's there. Deception. And he's a born again believer. Before then, he had been watching, saying he was writing a book. So I told him, I said, now, young man, I know God doesn't contradict himself. Because the Bible says, abstain from all appearances of evil. 
And so I'm not sure if God is the one that's told, telling you to go and watch this graphic thing that you think is so bad, you need prayer. I said, but you better be careful. Now, if, if, if it's not God, this thing will destroy you. I will pray for you. But you better be sure it was God that told you this. If not, this activity is going to kill you. It destroy you. But that's what's happening in the world. Now, look at what Pastor West gave to me this morning. Update. Late this afternoon, the assembly also voted 509, uh, 559 to five, uh, 451 to allow people in such publicly accountable, lifelong, monogamous, same-gender relationships to serve as our rostered and leaders, uh, rostered leaders of this church, they said. He says, we are today part of a church denomination that is changing. And it will make possible sexual moral standards that are contrary to the Bible. Which is what brings Jesus closer to us. It's happening in the United States. This is a church, church denomination. This is not the Catholic Church. If you read, they said Evangelical Lutheran Church. Same sex ministers in the church. They are going to ordain them now. If you don't realize that we are in the last days, this should open your eyes. We are truly in the last days. They are happy about this. They are saying doing this thing is going to bring Jesus closer to us. The key is one thing, regardless of what you believe, let me tell you this, and I started this on Sunday. God demands fruit. God is all about fruit. That's all he's after. A, a, a Christian, he wants fruit. God is all about fruit. That's why Jesus said, I am the vine. And you are the branches. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. John 15 verse 1 and 2. And my father is the my father is the vine dresser. This is not a parable. Jesus is telling us what is, what is this, what is taking place right now. He is the vine and the father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Or some translation will say he cuts off. And these are not my words. If there is a branch, he's not angry with you. This branch is not bearing fruit. He cuts it off. He wants more fruit. There is a withered branch attached to the vine. That's Jesus. He wants his son beautiful. He is son and the bo his body. Jesus and the body of Christ. And there are many parts to his body. A lot of branches. Some branches live in the United States. Other branches live in Great Britain and in Africa. They live. They are all vine. They are all connected to the vine by the roots. And the father, all he wants is this beautiful vine, his son. 
and the body of his son. And if there's any withered thing there, he says, ha, you're making my son look ugly. I don't want this. No, he's not feeling bad. He just needs to get, make sure his son is fine. He says, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, the father takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges, he prunes. That it may bear fruit. Jesus is speaking. Sometimes we need to understand, I have to, and this has always been my attitude, no matter what I believe, once I can see it from the scripture, makes sense, I got to change my thinking and follow God. So God demands fruit. There's a parable, uh, I believe uh, God, that was probably in, in Luke, the parable Jesus gave there of, of a tree, or a fig tree that was planted in a vineyard, and it wasn't bearing fruit. He says, after three years, he, uh, the master came and said, Hey, I want to cut this tree down. See, he's always cutting something that will not give, give him fruit. Jesus also cursed the tree. It wasn't fruit season. But Jesus was demonstrating, I love fruit. And if you're going to show me your green leaves, let me see some fruit. Otherwise, you're going down. But he said, after three years, he came and found there was no fruit. He told the guy, cut this tree down. There is no fruit for three years. No fruit. Cut it down. It was a parable. The guy said, Master, don't do that. Just give me one more year. I'll take care of it. I'll put some manure, for some fertilizers, and then you come back. After one year, If when you return, and if there's no fruit, then we'll cut it down. What does that parable mean? Where was he given? Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, the axe is laid on every root. Don't think to yourself, we're children of Abraham. Because the axe has been laid. So God demands fruit. Then, uh, what fruit? What, 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 what's the meaning of fruit? What are we talking about? Generally, we want to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, love. But let me show you something. Jesus is divine. Vines are supposed to produce grapes, right? So if I see a healthy vine, I will expect the branches of the vine to produce grapes. And now if the branches of the vine are not producing grapes, something must be wrong with the vine. We men expect to see grapes from vines. That's the product. If everything is working well with the branches and the vine, the roots, then we'll find grapes. Now, if Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, the fruit that must be produced must be Christ-like. Right? The fruit must be Christ-like. Christians are supposed to be Christ-like. That's the fruit. We are supposed to look like the master. We are part of the vine. We produce the fruit of the vine. And if it's a different kind of fruit, he doesn't look like the master, doesn't look, we know something is wrong. And if it's not the vine, possibly the, a wrong branch got grafted in. 
We have to have that Christian character. Christian devotion. That's what people want. Christian devotion. The Christian conduct. I mean, you can't be a Christian and you're acting so much like the world and you're still a Christian. There is no difference between the way you act, the way you respond, your conduct and everything. Your character, nothing different. You don't look like divine. The fruit that you are producing, they don't look like what comes from divine. Today, I mean, you're talking about Christians. I mean, you can't even rely on their words. Faithfulness was part of Jesus' life. Very faithful. He knows what time and where to be. Christians say, haphazard, you know, you do whatever you want. And God is going to reward us based on our faithfulness. Now Christians are getting drunk. And they say, it doesn't matter. Because I'm born again. And some Christians are smoking dope. And they say, it doesn't matter. I'm born again. They frequent the bars. Just like their friends. Sunday is a good day sometimes to go play golf. It's the Lord's day. I'm not saying we have to be in church every day. But God is watching your attitude. It's your heart. You can be playing golf, but you are in the church in your heart. That's different. God knows. It's your heart. But let it be the beauty of the heart. We must exemplify purity and power of the faith that we we profess. We have to. Otherwise, it's just words. And Jesus used the words, hypocrite. I don't want to be one. Who is? It's basically what you say and what you do, they don't go along. Hypocrite is not going to make it. We're not perfect, but you have to look like the master list. Basically, in your heart, you want to do what's right, and God sees the heart. Man looks at the outward, but God is looking at the heart. The thing is the question of the heart. Where is your heart? Is God still a part of your heart? Or God is taking fifth, sixth, seventh place in your life? You only remember him when he's convenient. Usually when you get in trouble. When things are not going well. He's looking for fruit. Character. So your own believing friends, they can see the light. But if you're doing everything that they are doing, there's no light there. How can you be the salt? I mean, you're doing exactly the way they're doing. The only difference is you profess. That's why Jesus said, every branch in me, that means you are connected to him. You qualify to be part of him because of your profession. But that's all you got. You're not bearing fruit. You don't even desire to bear fruit. 
Jesus said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Father will take away. But then he went on to say, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, take residence in you, then you will be able to bear more fruit. But he says, if a man doesn't abide in me, he is cast off like a branch and is withered. And men gather those branches and throw into fire. Jesus said that. So fruit is so important. You just can't make excuses. You see, what the enemy wants is this deception that makes us to, gives us that idea of just making an excuse for this God is okay. You just open the door for the enemy to do whatever he wants to do with your life. You gave him permission. But when you cry out to God, God, no! I want to be more like Jesus. And we used to sing those songs in those days. I want to be like the master. I want to be like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not upset, but I have a job. You have to understand this. The Bible says that don't let many of you be teachers. Because God is going to judge them even more. So it's not just about preaching. The thing is, what you believe is what's going to affect your life. If you believe wrongly, you can have a, be a born-again Christian, and you're having a lot of girlfriends, and that will not work. Let me read this scripture to you. The Bible says Jesus is not the minister, a minister of sin. Jesus is not a minister of sin. Galatians 2 verse 17. But if while we seek to justify, to be justified by Christ, that means to be made righteous by Christ, we ourselves are, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Christ is not a minister of sin. First John chapter 3 verse 7 through 9. Little children, let no one deceive you. He's writing to Christians. Don't allow anyone to deceive you. That is okay. He says, he who practices righteousness is righteous. If you are practicing righteousness, you are righteous. If you are not practicing righteousness, you are not righteous according to the word. Don't let anyone deceive you. To be comfortable in what's going on in your life and say, it's okay. Don't let anyone deceive you. If you practice righteousness, you are righteous. Just as he is righteous. That means the righteous, you are working out the righteousness of God that's in you. He who sins is of the devil. In other words, if you practice sin, you are of the devil. Christians don't practice sin. It's a clear indication that you are really not abiding in the vine. First John chapter 3 verse 6. He says, if you abide in him, you will not sin. You can read it. He who abides in him does not sin. If you abide in him, you bear fruit. So you can be cut off because you are abiding in him. But if you abide in him, you will also not be practicing sin. 
And if you are practicing sin, that's a clear indication you have refused to abide in Him. And guess what? You risk being blocked off by the Father. He's not angry with you. He he doesn't want this type of thing in his mind. He who sins is of the devil. That's he who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil... For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So when you are a child of God, God's Son has been manifested to destroy the works of the devil in your life. So whoever has been born again by God does not sin. That what he's saying does not practice sin. So, he's saying, you can't be a born-again Christian and be practicing sin. They don't go together. He says, because he seed, that his DNA remains in you, and you cannot continue to practice sin. Because you are born again. You know, people risk being cut off by God. I read Romans chapter 11, verse 21 and 22. For if God did not spare the natural branches, again, it will come into sparing the branches, branches the line, branches again. If God did not spare the natural branches, that's talking about some Jews, because they relied on the fact that they were children of Abraham, he may not spare you. And he's talking to New Testament saints. Either he may not spare you. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God. So there is a part of God that's God's goodness. There is a part of God that's God's severity. Where you get in that severity, you get judged. It says very clearly, Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, those who were cut off, those who he didn't spare, severity, but towards you, goodness, if you, goodness, only if you continue in his goodness. That's right there. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. This is New Testament scripture. There is a chance if you continue to do wrong, just like Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, the father, the husband man, or the gardener. He could cut you off. And he says, God has already done this before. Matthew 7 verse 10 tells us, every tree that does not bear good fruit, he cuts down. I don't think God is in the business of cutting uh, trees in the forest. We're talking about human beings, believers. Or people who profess to follow God. He needs fruit. He demands fruit. Let me read the uh, scriptures here. The scripture actually suggests that you can die spiritually. And I'm saying from the word of God. And again, I don't mind somebody disagreeing with me. These things are really new. I'm learning. I'm trying to do what is right. I like you can disagree with me. Just use scriptures to tell me what you're saying. Don't give me your ideas. Just use scriptures to tell because it's the same scripture that's going to judge you that day. It's just the truth. And if I'm telling you the truth today, believe me, I will be your greatest friend in eternity. That's if you're not doing right. You will never forget. Somebody loved you enough to tell you this is, you can continue this way. Because you will find out on that day that it's not going to be a funny day, a day of fun. God is going to be both 
so glad and both and angry at the same time on that day. Some people he wants away from him and others he's welcoming them with joy. But look at what the scripture says. This is drawn from Romans chapter 8 verse 1. And I love to quote this, this, uh, the scriptures from Romans chapter 8. He says, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It says, for the law of the spirit of, Christ, uh, of the Spirit of God in Christ Jesus had made us free from the law of sin and death. So God has freed us. But then as you go down through the scriptures, he's saying those that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Those that are sinners, sinners don't like to go to church. They like to go to clubs. If you talk about bars, they like that. If you're talking about going to boogie down on Sunday, they like that. I mean, if it's going to go dance... Hey, young people, quick, we come. If it's come, if it's like to dance, oh, yeah, that's fun. Play the music, let's drink, let's get drunk. And in the morning, they tell the boy, yeah, last night was a wonderful night. What happened? I got drunk. Christians don't say things like that. <laughs> if they've been out and pastor says, where were you last night? Oh, I was sleeping. I was so tired. He lied. <laughs> because he knows better. His heart tells him he's wrong. So they, those that are after the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh. That's where they get their joy. They enjoy it. It doesn't bother them. But those that are after the spirit, they mind the things of the spirit. So he says in Romans chapter 12, 8 verse 12, he says, Therefore, because of all these things that I've told you, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. All of you are debtors. Amen. You are in debt. All of you, including myself. We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will what? You will die. This is New Testament. Is he talking about physical death? I believe not. Everyone will die. So he couldn't be talking about that. Physical death, everyone's going to see that. Everyone is going to experience that. If you live according to the flesh, and this is the word of God. These are not my words. These are New Testament words. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will, not may, you will die. Spiritually. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body. So the Spirit of God is available for you to actually fight those desires that are not right. And you can put, to, put them to death. Many of them dropped from my life the first time I gave my life to the Lord Jesus. I quit doing some of those crazy stuff. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, let's go further. I'm going to read this in New Century Translation for you. It says, So, my brothers and sisters, we must not be ruled by our sinful selves or live the way our sinful selves want. You know, the body is always wanting to do wrong. The body wants to do what is right. I mean, what is wrong? But in your heart, you want to do what is right. But Jesus said, in another serious word, if your eye causes you to sin, 
Block it out. That does not, that does, <laughs> doesn't sound like he's going to be real nice about sin in your life. He's okay, just keep going. It's not going to happen. He says, it's better for you to go to, to, to heaven with, your, with one eye. Please don't take your eyes out. Than for your whole body to be cast into hell. So that's so important here. He says here, so my brothers and sisters, we must not be ruled by our sinful selves or live the way our sinful selves want. If you, if you use your lives to do the wrong things your sinful selves want, you will die spiritually. If you allow your body to do those things and you continue to do those things, spiritually you'll die. Spiritual death, you know what that means? Separation from God forever and ever. That's what spiritual death is. And that's what the Bible is saying. Paul is telling us, this great apostle, who had such great revelation from God, warning us, if you allow the desires of your flesh to take over, even though you are born again, (laughs) you die spiritually. That's the way I read it. We are debtors, not to the flesh. But if you use the Spirit's help, so the Spirit is there to help us, to stop doing the wrong things you do with your body, you will have true life. True life. If you allow the Holy Spirit to change your attitude, character, your behavior, being consistent, constantly consistent, they can predict you. We can say, I don't believe that. He's not like that. She's not like that. I don't think that's happening. I, I, I don't believe you. have to really prove this to me. Because that's not the person I know. That's what they know as a believer. You're there. They can trust you. The true children of God are those who are led. Who allow God's spirit to lead them. I will close with this scripture. And it's so important. This scripture. I believe I was. You know. Just woke up this day. And there's just so scriptures just kept coming into my mind. Because of the things that I'm hearing. About what believers are doing. This one that I've read today from Pastor West. That's new. And I'm beginning to believe. Satan is really at work in our country. Only 9% of people really believe in the Bible anymore. You know why? Because of the way we Christians handle ourselves. They don't think it's real. If we really handle ourselves like this book is real. And we do wrong. And we say, oh God. And they see you crying. Why are you crying? Because I, I, I lied to that man. They say, just for a lie. Well, the Bible says not to lie. And they see you crying. Guess what? He's going to go home and think, hey, I've even done more than lying. And this guy is crying over lying. I'm f- if God has said, God, I'm finished. I'm finished. And so when you show him, the Bible says not to do this. And I just did that. Oh, no. And they say, why? Well, it's, just, it's just a book. He says, no, it's not a book. And God is going to judge us. Guess what? They start thinking. But because we are not standing up and the way we live, people are beginning to turn just 9% of Americans. Born against the whole population. Just 9% believe that the Bible is true now. In the whole country. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 20 
and 21. Let me read this and please consider these scriptures very carefully. Young people, please consider these things very carefully. I'm not saying I'm perfect, I'm not, but I don't want to wrong God. I know when I've done wrong and I want to do right. I would never make excuses for them. If I feel like I can't handle it, then I know the devil is behind it. I'll come here, stay at home somewhere, saying, God, you need, I need help. Help me with this. I don't want to, Jesus to come back according to his word and find me somewhere else. You know, drunk, doing something else. He said, I will up, up give the portion with the hypocrite. He do that. It says in Ezekiel, again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him. So sometimes when things are happening in your life and they are not going right, that's because God is treating you at that time as a child. He's trying to correct you. He makes things difficult for you just to get your attention. Turn around. He says, when they turn from their righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, if he doesn't respond, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning. You didn't tell him. He couldn't figure it out himself. You knew and didn't tell him. So he died. How? In his sins. He shall die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. That sounds like fun. It's not how you start. It's how you finish the race. Paul was very clear about that. I fought a good fight, he said. I finished the race. You have, as an individual, a race to run that God has committed to you. Don't fail him. Don't fail him. Do good to all men. That's what the Bible says. Commit yourself to doing good. Sacrifice, not for anything, but for Jesus. And let him multiply his goodness in your life. Sin is like cancer. Likes to spread. And if you don't get a hold of it, if you don't catch it real quick and cut it off before long, it'll be in your liver. And it's ready to kill you. That's when the doctors will tell you there is nothing anyone can do at this point. Been, you've gone too far with this. If you had caught it earlier, <laughs> we could have helped. Catch whatever is causing a problem in your life at this early stage. Even this morning. If you are not totally committed to Christ. And if you, especially if you've been making excuses for those things. That means you are telling God, I still want to keep these demons with me. Or these devils or these bad behaviors. Let me keep them until when I'm ready. It's really up to you. Make a commitment to God today for freedom and to do right. So that the world will know that you are the light and you are the salt. Amen? Stand up with me this morning. I know this is not uh, a short message, but 
as a young Christian, at the, the parable of, the, of ten, the ten virgins, I run through those things in my head constantly. Because Jesus said, after giving the parable, he says, therefore, you also be ready. Watch and pray, because you don't know when. Be ready. You want to be ready. How many want to be ready this morning? You want to be ready. Can I see your hands up? Just put your hands up to the Lord this morning. And let's be believers. Let's be Christians. Let's serve God. Whether you are in this church or not in this church, let your life reflect the Master. Let your life reflect the Savior. Let the fruit in your life reflect the fact that you are connected to Him. When they see you, they know you are connected. They know you are not perfect, but they can tell there's a difference. You are a different breed. There's something different about your life. That's a wonderful testimony. And that's your power. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies. They can see your testimony is so important. Don't let the enemy get into your testimony. Amen. Lord, we love you. Say to him this morning, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. We love you, Lord, and we'll follow after you, hard after you. And as the scripture says, as the deer pants over water, just to have a drink of water, Lord, our souls, our hearts, we're crying after you. We want to live a life, not to look down on others, but to please you. That's what is important, just to show that we love you and that we're living a life that pleases you. For every word, every heart, every ear, everyone that's heard your word this morning, Lord, let these words go deep into their spirit, that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But then that you have demanded for us to do what is right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. We don't want to be like the world. We want to be just like our master. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.